Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. We are back once again, Tom and KJ. We have cooled off since that experience at the Carrier Dome. Figuratively and literally. I was mainly just referring to the heat in the Carrier Dome, but as you pointed out, probably more ways than one that we cooled off, right? How are you, KJ? I'm doing good. Doing good. Good. Happy Wednesday to you. I wonder what we'll talk about today. Oh, I don't know. You want to look forward or you want to look back? Well, we're right in the middle of the week. We can do either. I think it'll end up being a little bit of both. I agree. So Tim Linnefelt will join us, our Seminoles.com insider. We always save the hard questions for him. But Keith and I, as you know, we do Front Row Knowles First Look, which aired on Sunday morning initially. And subsequent to that, I've heard many others pontificate about some of the same things we talked about. So I guess we can start there. Coach Taggart met the media yesterday. Uh, Among many other things, he was asked about tweaks he can make in light of the offensive line challenges that wasn't necessarily the way the question was phrased but that's the premise well you and i talked about and and i'll be the first to say i led but it doesn't mean that i'm smart it means i'm experienced but uh, you take those split tight ends one or both you move them in next to the tackles instead of running one back in the backfield in the shotgun you go sidecar left and sidecar right i.e you put two backs in the back Uh, you take the uh, gulf coast offense and you dial it back a little bit both in terms of complexity and speed and you practice a few things over and over and over and over again until you do them well and then you make northern illinois see them a few times and make them stop you and then you start building from there and then jim henry came out with his article on monday morning and monday at noon there was a, uh, a writer that asked taggart the very same question which led to the very same response which echoed the two things that jim and keith had said about max protection and those types of things and those are the short-term remedies because everything else is a long-term fix and you you don't have time i want to go back to the point we raised because not everybody necessarily listens to our sunday show or is even aware that we do it it airs eight o'clock sundays there is some exchanging of short-term gains for long-term success or quick long-term success because every minute you devoted practice to doing something that's not part of the gulf coast offense is another minute you need to make up on the back end somewhere somewhere somehow no question if you take practice right now and just hypothetically they're spending 120 minutes running gulf coast offense plays and now you tweak it to the point that they're running 60 minutes of willie's offense and 60 minutes of stopgap they're spending 120 minutes running gulf coast offense plays and now you tweak it to the point that they're running 60 minutes of willie's offense and 60 minutes of stopgap you can do the math and figure out that next year the team will not be as far along as what we all hope. And it is I a, just I, I say that to manage expectations because that's the reality of and it. And it's a risk return trade-off and it would be totally legitimate. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't agree with it. But it would be totally legitimate if coach Taggart said no. We're not instituting any stopgap measures. We're staying with the long-term plan. Don't think that's the right decision, but that is a decision that could be made. And he certainly has every right to make it. I think it might be the right decision if the offensive line was passable and just not – I'm trying to choose my adjective wisely. Leaves you you speechless, doesn't it? If the offensive line was mediocre and not bad, then maybe that's the – but – and he's not going to say it. And it's not necessarily an indictment of the guys who are playing. There's been injuries. There's a reason – 
that Florida State's in this pickle on the offensive line. And not all the issues are related to the offensive line, but a big part of it is. So I'm just, again, you never know. I think we do this hindsight thing. Right now, Florida State's one and two, so everybody says, well, he should have seen this coming and changed everything. Well, to some degree, the coaches probably had an idea that things weren't where they needed to be, but they had to try them and see. And now they've been in the fire and they said, you know what? These guys aren't doing as well up front as we were hoping they could. And you know what else? The quarterback is a little slow making his reads. I'm talking about on the read option. And oh, by the way, he doesn't have a pocket presence, which would help the offensive line. And so these are things they now have three games worth of tape to dissect and adjust. But again, I pointed out because next year at this time, if we're having a similar conversation, we're going to have to look back a year and say, that's the reason why. Remember when we went and we did the stopgap thing? There, there are a couple of things that Coach Taggart inherited that, that he just can't do anything about. He, he, there was nothing he could do about Ball getting dismissed. That was a university thing. There was nothing he could do about Martinez deciding he doesn't want to play football anymore. He got his degree, and he wanted to go to work. Uh, I don't know the full story behind Baselli, but that was another guy they were counting on. Brock Rubel transferred. Brock right? Rubel transferred. You can't do anything about Dickerson's and Minshew's injuries. Uh, those happen. Or Derek Kelly's. Or Derek Kelly now, particularly now, because you know Willie didn't admit it on Monday, and, and nor should he or should we expect him to. But he's out this week. He's going to be out some more weeks. He's not returning quickly, just like Dickerson's not returning quickly, in my estimation. Now, I'm not a physician. I haven't even talked to anybody. But I'm just saying the way luck has been for Florida State's OL, that's the way it's going to work. Then you got the four freshmen that I don't even know their names. I don't know their numbers. I know some other the, the sites have talked about this one needs to gain weight. This one's got to gain experience. This one's playing here. You can't play him there. I don't know who they are, what they are. You weren't counting on them. The other thing I didn't know is either in 16 or 17. I didn't, I'd didn't. i forgotten. Maybe I'd conveniently forgotten. And Willie can't control this, but in 16 or 17, we only we only signed one offensive that lineman. That was 17. That was following 16, which was the number one offensive line class in the country. I think that brings up, now this could be a philosophical thing, and I don't know for sure where Jimbo and Trickett and staff were on this. I just don't follow recruiting. One of the reasons why I don't follow recruiting closely is because show up, Wear the uniform, and then let me see how you really play. We talk about that all the time. I don't care how many stars you have. I don't care what the recruiting class looked like. Ultimately, right now, how does that number one offensive line recruiting class from two years ago look? I go back to well, the, but the point. The point I was going to make, though, is what what Jimbo did is he signed a bunch of kids in 15 and 16 and one in 17. And so you could make the argument that a better plan may be sign three or four offensive linemen every, every year. year. And the only thing I'd, I'd go back to you about the recruiting, you, you've, you've heard me say it, our listeners have heard me say it, but they do the study every year in the Super Bowl. How many five-star kids are playing in the Super Bowl? And it's always something less than 5%. I, that, that recruiting crap is proving to be absolutely un, unfair unfair to the kids because they get such a high expectation and then you get to the big boy league i.e ncaa fbs football and it ain't easy it ain't easy well let's be honest not that we need to go down this road but since you opened the door i mean when you look at what recruiting does on top of the big head and keeping players motivated Everything that happens in college athletics surrounds the ability to recruit. It's why Florida State's going to build a football-only players facility. It's why there's duplicate numbers, one for the offensive guy and one for the defensive guy. So you could Which, promise by the way, a guy I am absolutely you, tired of. But I am, the NCAA ought to pass a rule. You can't have duplicate numbers. I'm tired of it. Well, that's just because your mind can't keep up anymore. 
I'm just saying it's all about recruiting. So we kind. get it. So we, kind. We're not the recruiting experts. I am not the left tackle. I give this disclaimer every time. It's still inexact, but it's a more exact science than it was 25 years ago. Now, on the offensive line, I would tell you it's completely inexact because nobody really knows there. I think they're better at diagnosing other positions. Anyway, all that said, it is what it is, and we are where we are, correct? The good news is you're facing an opponent that, again, you should be favored for, from, against, over, over, whatever. Number two, you're back at home, uh, which is always good. And... And there is no there you know after Samford there was yeah maybe yeah, they're not quite yeah well after Syracuse they ain't no good now that's not a condemnation on everybody that's just they ain't no good so go back to basics and start over and if people want to say look you ran the same play thirteen times on first and ten <laughs> so be it run it till we get it right exactly. It's not where we expected to be. I can not say. at all. I, and, but but I will say this. I, I, I was, didn't see this coming from any stretch of the imagination, Tommy. I told several groups I had the opportunity to speak to who will never have me back again that this was a team that was going to win nine ball games, and if they got a little bit of luck, they'd win ten. And I I sincerely believed that. I think that nine and three was sort of the baseline that most went by and if you're really optimistic you said they get some breaks they can get to 10 if you tend to be more pessimistic or maybe realistic is the right term and you knew the personnel better you said eh nine's going to be tough i could see eight or seven nobody thought we'd be sitting at one and two wondering how many games florida state's going to be the favorite the rest of the way but we can do this if they play like they played against syracuse they won't win another game thing well guess what as the axiom goes you're always either getting better or getting worse. Moving so forward or moving back. What they did, the egg they laid against Syracuse does not have to be the norm going forward. They can get better at what they do. And and I don't know, but I would be willing to bet you, and maybe our listeners would disagree, but the egg they laid at Syracuse still isn't as bad as the egg that was laid at Boston College the year prior. Because that was a staff, at least in the head coach, that had eight years of experience or was in his eighth year of experience well and the whole staff had four or five years together so so it's bad it's bad but we've got to be careful it's not as bad as it was against boston college because then you were talking about player effort and while you can pick individual plays and individual uh, times when player effort could be questioning at syracuse i don't think that's a broad brush i think the effort was out there they just didn't execute and didn't perform our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt is on deck. I will remind you that uh, Madison Social is open for business along with Please the township. They've got something to take our mind off of this. They've got Friday night block parties leading into this big weekend against Northern Illinois. They're That's open good. on game That's day good. before and after the game. That's very good. If you like Italian, head over to Centrale. They'll be there. They're there to soothe, you know, nothing like a pizza and some cocktails to make you feel a little bit better. Or in the reverse order. Depending on your preference. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld is next. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Shed a tear cause I'm missing you I'm still alright to smile Girl, I think about you every day now 
We might just let this play, Tim, because it's better than what we can offer right now, isn't it? Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider, joins us. A little patience from GNR there, which uh, apparently is what we all need to uh, prescribe to or need prescribed to us. Uh, Tim joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. How are you, Tim? Well, I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing He's okay. doing great. Well, that's I mean, maybe I'm not. No, I'm not doing great. I'm, I'm real bad. <laughs> <laughs> we're all doing great because we're no longer standing in the carrier dome sweating profusely. <sighs> we got that, that is, going. That is very true. All right, Tim. We all know the story. Nobody's happy. Uh, inside, outside the program, next to the program, on top, below, wherever. Everybody's frustrated, disappointed. Your thoughts on uh, Coach Taggart and uh, his address to the media yesterday and, and sort of where Florida State or how Florida State moves forward from here? Um, yeah, well, that's uh, it was a, lot to, a lot to unpack, and those are, I guess, kind of two separate questions. Uh, but I'll start with your first one about uh, his address to the media. You know, look, I thought it was good. I mean, I think if nothing else, I mean, how frustrated – did you get, you know, and what fans get, um, you know, after losses in previous years, not just last year, but before that. And, you know, Jimbo would basically come out and, and, and kind of tell you that what you saw wasn't what you saw. You know what I mean? Or that you shouldn't be worried about it. Or, or, this, or you weren't smart other. enough to know what you were looking at. I mean, kind of, right? You know, and, and so, no, things aren't as bad as, as you think they are or that you're looking and you're like, it just didn't feel right. And so uh, I thought for Willie Tiger to come out and kind of acknowledge the obvious, and he did this on Saturday too, by the way, just say, hey, look, you know, we know that we're not meeting the standard and, and, you know, he's been asked a few times about uh, fan reaction and, and the way they feel about things. And he was honest. He said, you know, look, our fans have every right to be upset. You know, they, there's a standard here and we're not living up to it. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I think it reflects well on him that, that he cares enough to, to, to speak in those terms. And you know, he came with a prepared statement uh, where he kind of laid everything out and, and, and took responsibility for things. And, and, uh, and that was, you know, that was good. Um, but I thought, you know, also the most important thing in what he said, and, and, and I think it's, it, you know, if you're a fan, you're, you, you wanted to hear this as well. Like, look, man, all the, all the words and all the, and, you know, and he said coaching cliches and, and, and all the, all that kind of stuff only takes you so far. Um, at some point, you know, they're going to have to show some improvement and start playing better. Um, and it, you know, I think we're, we're all glad that, that he's aware of that and not making any, uh, you know, any misgivings about that. But, uh, you know, it's just still something that needs to happen. Tim, Keith and I have kicked around because I know Coach was asked about, you know, what tweaks can you make? And to me, what I think what Keith and I have tried to point out is, yes, you can make tweaks. And he acknowledged that that I think some are coming. And I'm talking about whether you roll out the quarterback or it's two backs or you max pr- protect, all those things. But any changes you make that are outside of what his system is ultimately is a is a short-term versus long-term proposition. You can, you know, you can stopgap things now a little bit, but that means ultimately – Maybe you don't get humming like you want to hum quite as quickly. So I, I, I say that. To, I mean, do you think that's fair to me? It's where do you strike? Or how do you strike the balance on that? No, I think that's exactly the, the question. And Walt Bell was asked about that this morning. Um, you know, how do you strike that balance? And he said it sort of is. But look, man, I think right now, um, and this is kind of you know my opinion more than what they said is like based on um, you know what we've seen these first three games, man. I, I think that you need to. Um, you know, maybe swing the other way a little bit just to give the guys some confidence, just to give them something to feel good about, you know, lay a bit of a different foundation just to, to, to build on. Because for one reason or another, you know, it's not there. I know we all thought that it would be. I think that they probably thought that it would be. But, it, you know, it's, it's not right now. So whatever you can do to, to move the ball, string some first downs together, even just to get to the point where you're putting – if, if, if the drive ends in a punt where you can put the opposing offense in a bad position, you know, flip the field a little bit, 
you know, start there. Um, you know, Willie Taggart did mention the idea of, of slowing down the offense uh, a little bit um, to give, you know, guys a chance to get lined up properly, avoid some of those procedural penalties. And, look, he doesn't want to do that. I mean, he said since day one uh, that, that this offense is, you know, it's fast, fast, fast. It runs on speed. However, um, and, I, you know, and, and look, I'm, I'm not just trying to toe the company line here. I do think this is a sign of a good coach. Um, is to say, hey, you know, we want to do what we want to do, um, but as of right now, it's just not, it's not working. And that's not to say that it never will, um, but, but you got to, you know, you got to make some sort of adjustments. Otherwise, you're just going to be beating your head against the wall for the next nine games. That's another thing, too, Tom. I think you ask what the balance is, man. If, if, we, if you're talking about this problems where if like you, you hit a wall after game seven or eight or nine or whatever, uh, then maybe, you know, you, um, you, 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 the way you would approach it would be different. But man, with nine games left, I think you, uh, you probably need to try to do something a little different, uh, just to, like I said, get your guys some confidence, uh, string together some some, uh, some nice drives and points, and, and you know get a few wins under your belt, and then reassess where you are. Tim, in retrospect, we look back to last year when things started unraveling. At one point, I think we set two and five, and, and and we maybe not recognized it at the time, but there was some fissures in the locker room. There was some finger pointing. There was some um, you know downward spiraling going on. Is there a fear of that with this group? Have you seen anything like that? What's the what's the conversation? Well, I think uh, the I think there certainly is a, a fear among the fan base, and that's probably fair. I mean, look, you know, let's. It's not uncommon. Teams that lose a lot also have problems in the locker room, right? I mean, that's that's the, kind of the way it goes. And um, you know, from what I've been able to gather from within the team is, um, is that that hasn't been the case. Um, you know, I think you guys know as well as I do. You know, from what you've seen and some of the access you've had. I mean, it, from everything I've been able to gather, the guys who you would expect to be your leaders, and I mean, you know, your captains, who you know, who by the way were voted on by the team. You know, your your Alec Eberleys and your Brian Burns. I mean, they're the guys. You know, standing up when it's when it's time to make some things happen. They're the guys trying to to encourage their teammates, trying to keep things together. Um, you know, they're doing what I think they need to be doing and what they believe they need to do uh, to to be leaders. Um, that said, I mean, look, it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying a, a little bit ago uh, earlier, man. I mean, at some point, um, you know, the results have to come. I mean, that's kind of the way this whole the whole system works. Um, there's there's no amount of leadership. I mean, you don't want a happy locker room when you're losing games, you know what I mean? And, and there's just no, uh, there's no way around that. Um, but, uh, but I think that, you know, to the, to the extent that you can, I think, you know, Florida State is getting the proper leadership from, from the guys who you would count on to do it in, in terms of the locker room and away from the field. Uh, now it's just time to have it translate on the field. You know, one thing interesting that did, that did come out of the media availability this morning is that the team did have a players only meeting. Uh, it sounds like over, uh, over the weekend, um, they were pretty reluctant to discuss the specifics uh, about what was said, but I mean, I think we can probably infer, you know, kind of what was talked about, right? I mean, it, it, it seems fairly obvious to me, and so, uh, you know, hopefully that takes hold. Um, it's good to see the players, I think, taking ownership uh, of, of what's in front of them, um, and uh, and we'll see how it translates. Let's go over to the defensive side of the ball, Tim, which uh, has been the brightest spot thus far in the 2018 Knowles. One guy that coach taggart singled out on his show and i did not lead him to this this is where he went i led him by mentioning some other defenders but he mentioned kyle myers and his play early on you know he had two picks last week he had the the forced fumble that was wiped out they didn't count it but he but he mentioned that he played like a linebacker on that goal line stand 
he's kind of been a forgotten guy because everybody talked about Levanta and Stanford Samuels, and meanwhile, here's Kyle Myers turning into Mister Steady. Yeah, no, he uh, he's been really good, man. Uh, you know, I think we talked about these guys a couple weeks ago, but you know, Kyle Myers and AJ Westbrook are both sort of, you know, we we, we get uh, attracted to the shiny new thing, and so we're we're all excited about you know, uh, you know, Asante Samuel and and. and AJ Litton and Isaiah Bolden and, and some of the freshmen that uh, that have come in there, and those guys are all good players too. But I think that the veteran guys like like Kyle Myers really deserve a lot of credit for stepping their game up and, and playing well, and, and for one, holding on to starting jobs, um, and uh, and two, you know, making the most of them while they're out there, um, and you know, just for the defense in general, and then the secondary, uh, I, I think they've done pretty well. And then the one thing I'll say, and this this ties into what you're talking about with Kyle and, and some of those defensive backs, is even when Florida State's given up plays you know I, we haven't seen like you did in, in years past where opposing receivers are just running downfield with nobody you know anywhere near them if Florida State's defensive backs I mean they're in position sometimes you just get beat and that's going to happen but it looks like the guys like they know where they're supposed to be they know what they're doing they're confident in their assignments and they're at least in position to make plays and uh you know to me regardless of how the rest of the season turns out and we'll see I mean that's if you want an encouraging development from these first few games that, that's that's you know, one that stands out to me. Yeah, I think most people are in agreement. The defense has played well enough to win, and maybe, maybe even a little above that. Uh, and and I don't find a whole lot of fault there. Uh, I was disappointed, Tom, and I've talked about it. You and I talked about it afterwards. I was disappointed in the holding call on the on the punt return because I, I really think that particular play had it stood. I mean, that ended up being a 50, 55, 60 yard quote unquote penalty. Uh, because of where the ball would have been versus where it ended up, I really think that could have been a turning point, maybe for the psyche of this ball club as well. Well, I agree, and there's a, and there's a lot of those, right? I mean, think back, you know, they ended up winning the game. But think back to the the Sanford game with the uh, the big Trey McKitty game that was wiped out by the procedural penalty. They had another one against Syracuse, it wasn't as big of a game, but it also went to Trey McKitty, and you know, the guy gets covered up on the line of scrimmage, and then it's a different type of flag. But you know, DJ Matthews finally makes something happen, like we've been waiting for him to do uh, for a long time, and. You know, and it gets called back, I mean, and it's you know to a degree, and I know nobody wants to hear this, and, and the record's probably the same in a way. But I feel like this team has been—I uh, mean, I don't know if unlucky is the word, but it's, it's not like they're not showing signs of life. But it just seems like every time there's something good happening, or so somewhere you can plant your flag and sort of rally around. Uh, well, I guess maybe planting your flag is a bad, uh, bad example uh, because it seems like there's a flag or, or something that uh, that wipes it out. Every and, time you go to pick up your flag and move forward, right, right, exactly right. And so you know, I think and that can have a, a difficult psychological uh, effect as well, especially when you're you know if, if you're struggling and you break a big play, a big kick, you know, big return, and get your your first good field position. I mean, gosh, practically the entire season, uh, and then you see that flag, and now not only has that play been wiped out, but now you're back at your you know six yard line again. I mean, that that can be hard for uh, for guys to overcome, particularly when things haven't been going well. You know where things are going well, Tim? Where is that? Rapid fire. Oh. You, you passed last week, and we're gonna we're gonna queue up the tape now, and it's actually not tape. But anymore, did you but get that's... better from week one to week two? Becomes the question. I, I don't think he made his biggest jump, but we'll see. Let's take a listen. Will FSU have a 100-yard rusher this week? Yes. Total points for FSU, plus or minus 40 and a half? Minus. Total points in the game, plus or minus 80 and a half? Minus. Number of defensive injuries incurred or sustained by Syracuse defenders while FSU is on offense, over under three and a half? I'd say under. 
Number of FSU injuries sustained by defenders when Syracuse is on offense. Over under three and a half. I'm going under. All right, and here's the important stuff. Will the radio crew dine at Dinosaur Barbecue in Syracuse? Yes or no? That's the easiest one of the day. Keith Jones will have his arm twisted to attend the Kid Rock concert that takes place Friday night. No, he's not going. Will the air conditioning be on in the Carrier Dome? Do they have air conditioning? No. Tim, I mean, Tim. Was that, was that perfect? Seven and one. You missed one. Which one did I miss? Uh, it was early on. The 100-yard rusher, you said yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. You know, the first drive, he had a 16-yard run. I thought we were. I was. he's going to get it by halftime, and then the rest yeah. of the game unfolded. Tim, from 5-4 and four to 7-1, and one, that is your greatest improvement from Week 1 to Week 2. Congratulations. I, I, I feel great about it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here we go. You ready for uh, rapid fire this week? Let's do it. All right. Well, picking up where we left off, where will it be cooler or hotter at the game on Saturday than it was in the Carrier Dome last week? Hotter, but we'll at least have a breeze. Oh, man. I, the answer's cooler. The answer to that was definitely cooler than how. <laughs> All right. The uh, the Marching Chiefs are doing an Elton John tribute at halftime on Saturday. Uh, will one of the songs be Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a Coast Guard flyover before the game. Uh, number of aircraft uh, that will be involved, and I'm going to set it at two and a half. Under. Okay. How many different players will take a snap from the center for FSU in the game? Oh, two. Will we finally get to the hallowed ground that is double-digit punt return yards? Yes or no? Yes. 100-yard rusher? No. Defensive score by FSU? No. Most importantly, win or loss? Win. There we go. He's our son. Oh, yeah, 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 real quick. I, you know, I, I got. Oh, 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 well, I'm looking forward to the flyover, the marching Chiefs performance. No, I, I don't. I don't disagree. But I was optimistic last week. I really thought they were going to break out last week. I do think that a, the offensive line is going to require some some tweaks to the play calling and, and the things we've discussed. But but some of this can be cleaned up if they would quit making some penalties and actually have first and ten instead of first and twenty at the five. It makes a difference. I agree. All right, Tim. We'll grade you again next week. All right, fellas. We'll see you. Tim Linefelder, Seminoles.com Insider. And you're smiling again, as always, when you get Tim. Again, as I have said, I'm now on the Tim bandwagon. He's got a great sense of humor, and and, and I just like listening to him. You know what he reminds me of? It might have been Miller Lite commercials back in the day with John Madden. Like, the commercial's over, and then he comes busting through. He's like, wait a minute, one more thing? He's always got the – and another thing. Let me just say something about that. That's who Tim is at the end of every segment. Well, at least Tim is not – now, there's a guy. When he's got his contact in his eye, he can see better. When he loses his contact, he doesn't see as well. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you once more, and we will crank up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline once again. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to a former – well, he's not a former Knoll. He's, a, he's always a Knoll. He's always, always a Knoll. It's sort of like a Marine. He's always a Knoll through and through, right? David Castillo, who's now Dr. David Castillo and uh, was an offensive lineman for Florida State for – the better part of a decade, if memory serves, Dave. Didn't you? Didn't you get six years of uh, garnet and gold? Absolutely. I got every last second I could I could take, and uh, you know the NTA turned down my uh, wine and cheese basket in the you know my request for the seventh year. Otherwise, I would have been there for another year. <laughs> well, if you had a seventh year, we'd take it right now. Yeah, if you've got any left, <laughs> I wish I did. Hey, listen, I appreciate a few minutes of your time, and I, and I reached out to you because I, I wanted to, to bring somebody to the conversation that, that understands offensive line play, and uh, clearly I don't, and, and Keith was a safety and knows more than I do, but you know more than both of us. So I, I, I guess as a starting point, you know, the conversation has sort of shifted this week to some tweaks need to be made in terms of max protection, whether that's keeping a back end or a tight end. or When you look at what Florida State's doing or has done so far, uh, is is it a matter of being outmanned? Is it a matter of technique? Is it a matter of communication? What do you see when you watch the games? Well, I think it's a pro- probably a combination of a lot of things. Uh, you know, first off, you have a lot of guys playing out of position. Uh, we have a uh, very guard heavy offensive line, and uh, we've been having to basically play guards at offensive tackle. Uh, and then because of that, we're having to put reserves in, in the guard spot. Uh, you know, we're using a former defensive tackle as a guard. Uh, you know, we don't have the bodies. We don't have the offensive tackles. Uh, you know, I think technique certainly does play into it quite a bit. Um, you know, we're very late off the ball a lot. Uh, especially at the tackle position. And, I mean, I don't care if you're an all-pro. If you're giving a guy who's usually a better athlete than you as a defensive end a step or two advantage on you, you're going to get beat as an all-pro. And let's face it, we don't have any of those all-pros right now. So, you know, that's part of it. Some of it is just, you know, is technique, uh, you know, and and some of it is just, you know, uh, the position we're putting ourselves in. You know, we're constantly playing behind the chains. I mean, I can't remember a time where – First and 15, first and 20, third and 10. I mean, you know, you're, you're doing obvious, you know, putting ourselves in obvious passing downs, and that's always a disadvantage for the offensive linemen. I mean, so, you know, it's a lot of things. It's, some of it's self inflicted, and some of it is just what we have. You know, we don't have the, the bodies, and we don't have the guys that are natural tackles playing that position. David, let's expand on that a little bit, and, and I'll, I'll just use an illustration. It's, it's like the difference between a running back and a wide receiver the difference between a guard and a tackle. Most people look at them and and think that's an offensive line position. But those two positions are very, very different. Absolutely. I mean, there's a huge difference just between center and guard. You know, there's even more probably from guard and and tackle. Uh, You know, it's a... It's a completely different different position. It's different technique. I mean, it's a different mindset. Uh, a lot more responsibility playing offensive tackle. That's why the you know, especially your blindside tackle makes a heck of a lot of money when you're good and you play in the NFL. Uh, but it's not just a, a, you know, offensive lines are not just a plug and play kind of thing. Oh, you're big, throw them out there. I mean, it's 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 not that simple. Uh, you know, we have we fortunately over the years have had some guys that can. Are that are athletic enough and have the size, or maybe not even have the size, but are just athletic enough to uh, play tackle in a pinch when they're really a guard. But you know that should be a, a kind of an emergency kind of thing, or 
not not you know the standard week in and week out. I mean, you know that's that's probably the biggest thing right now is instead of having offensive tackles, we have offensive turnstiles. And you know, I'm not trying to talk bad about our offensive line. I'm going to defend them, you know, as much as I absolutely can. But unfortunately, that's what we have right now. We're talking with David Castillo, former center for the Florida State football team. Now, Doctor David Castillo. David, you said, you mentioned earlier uh, that we're laid off the ball sometimes. Mm-hmm. So is yeah. that? Is that mentally being slow to react or physically not athletically gifted enough to to get a quick step? Well, I mean, I I think it's a couple things. And, of course, you know, this is me watching from from the stands or watching on TV. And, of course, there's all kinds of videos going around on Facebook and YouTube and all kinds of stuff. Uh, But, you know, things like I used to do when I was playing center is I'm trying to give my guys an advantage. So little something like this the center could do. You know, we would always – Basically, you know, before I get ready to snap, I would I would yell out the cadence a, a second or a split second before to let my guys go before I would snap the ball. That gives us the advantage. So at least we're moving. We've got our momentum going back and getting in our stance before they're taken off. They're go, they're keying on the ball, and then our guys, our line would be keying on my voice. You know, some of that you know obviously gets hard when you start to play in a loud environment. You know, you're playing in a dome at Syracuse or a place like that, or you go into the swamp or Death Valley when it's really loud. You may not be able to hear, you know, the cadence, so guys can be laid off the ball. But there's some things you can do. You can have the guard and the tackle hold hands, and they, throw, you know, the guard throws his hands away when the ball moves or when when he yells hike to let the tackle know, so he's not having to sit there and stare at the ball and then, you know, throw his head out laterally, and then he, you know, opens up his shoulders, and the, you know, the defensive end has an easier path uh, path to rush if he turns his shoulder. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't think a lot of it is athletically, but. You know, let's face it, like I said, we have guys playing out of position, and if they're going to get laid off the ball, they're going to have to move in a hurry, and then their technique is going to suffer because of it. David, uh, Coach Taggart brings you in and tells you you've got five minutes to talk to the offensive line. What do you tell them right now? Uh, I mean, I would number one, I would ask them if, you know, where the fight is. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're going to make mistakes, make mistakes aggressively. You know, uh, they've got to you know, do a better job of protecting Francois. I mean, I want to see guys whistle to whistle. I mean, grinding people, you know, trying to put them on their backs, just that fierceness, that fight. I want to see it. If you're going to make a mistake, let's at least make a mistake being aggressive, you know, and I just, I see a lot of guys, you know, missing guys turning around and watching a play. I mean, you know, if, if the whistle's going, you're going, you know, even if you're hitting somebody wrong, hit somebody, you know, that's what I want to see. And I mean, like, you know, I would just challenge them to, you know, do what absolutely ever they have to do to keep Francois off the turf. Let me ask you a question about DeAndre, and maybe my assessment's not accurate. To me, if he had a better pocket presence, it would help the offensive line. I don't know if you think that's fair, but I, I, to me, there's po- a pocket he could step into that he's not always stepping into. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, a quarterback has to help out his offensive line, but something, you know, all this isn't on him. Uh, you know, the tackles, the tackles are responsible for setting the width width of the pocket and the guards are responsible the guards in the center are responsible for setting the depth of the pocket so yes of course you want your quarterback to be able to step up into the pocket and avoid the outside rush from the defensive ends but you know uh you know could he have a better pocket presence sure but that's easier said than done when you're not sitting there getting hit on nearly every play and you know uh, anticipating hits i mean it's gotten to the point over the last couple of years it, I don't know very many quarterbacks in, in college or in the NFL that have taken as many hits as him. I mean, that just shows you how tough he is. But you know, uh, you know, yes, he can do some things to help to help the offensive line, play calling wise, schemes. There's things that, that that can be done to help the offensive line. But at the end of the day, we have what we have. 
One of the things Keith and I have talked about, and we talked about it with uh, Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider, too, and, and Coach Tagger was asked about this. I mean, there are some tweaks that can be made, whether it's keep you know changing what you do with the tight ends or putting another back in the backfield or rolling the pocket or bootlegs or you know incorporating things that – well, most of the things we're talking about are incorporating things that are not in his system. So to me, it becomes a, a short-term, long-term gain proposition. You know, how much do you want to stop yeah. gap right now, which ultimately delays the install of his offense? Uh, is that fair in your mind as a guy who's been through it that, uh, you know, instead of being ready at the start of next season, maybe it's the middle of next season before the system's on and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I have a lot of people ask me the question, is it players, is it coaching, is it both? You know, and, and one thing I think that most people are not, giving enough credit to is the fact that it usually takes a spring, an entire fall, and another spring to get comfortable with a young player, uh, you know, and so you've got a quarterback right now who didn't participate, you know, contact in spring because he was recovering from a knee injury, so, you know, some of that, some of it is him, you know, with his reads, with his, you know, with the option and the, the you know, the, or the zone reads and the run pass option, things like that, but there are certain things that can be done. You know, you can slide protect. You can cut down on your splits. Uh, you know, keep the tight end in. I mean, he doesn't really have fullbacks in his offense. He kind of converted them all to tight ends. You can have a fullback in. You can have a back in and tip off the tackle to kind of help, you know, a little bit before he goes out in a route. You can roll the pocket with the quarterback. But, you know, Francois isn't a, exactly a Christian ponder who, you know, is one of the better quarterbacks I've seen roll out and throw on the run. He's better when he kind of, you know, gets back and is, you know, uh, takes a few steps, sits, you know, reviews the field and throws when he's not under that much duress and not as much when he's, when he's running. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to have to see what are our goals. Are our goals to salvage this season or our goals for the future? You know, where we're going right now, we got a lot on the line as far as, you know, winning record, bowl streak. We you know we could still beat, you know, we could, Miami, Florida, that's always a goal for us. Uh, you know, the ACC championship, that would certainly uh, be an uphill battle at this stage, um, you know, with, having the the one you know two losses now i mean I, that would pretty much take a miracle but uh you know it's it's, it's going to all depend on what their goals are but uh right now it's just it's not, it's not acceptable and you know coach taggart has said that and so is you know all the players i mean this isn't florida state football right now david castillo former center for uh for fsu uh how's how's business by the way I know uh, you were you were here at six years, but then you went to med school as well. And uh, congratulations, I mentioned to you on that. But uh, you're, yeah. you're a practicing physician here in town. Yeah, I mean things are great. I'm doing what I love. Um, you know, I always said it. You know, I always wanted to be to be a professional athlete or a doctor. You know, it was, it was plan plan uh, one and plan one A. And you know, my body didn't hold up for the for for the you know professional aspects, but I did uh, you know get to you know. Uh, play for a long time and fulfill my dream of becoming a doctor and i'm on staff here at tallahassee memorial hospital i'm a hospitalist and i also go up to archibald uh, medical center in thomasville and help out up there at times and i'm, I'm the uh, medical director at two outpatient clinics uh, here in town as well so i stay busy uh but uh it's like what i'm what i enjoy doing well, congratulations to you there. And we appreciate uh, some expertise on, on offensive line play. Uh, uh, I also appreciate that you've got a positive attitude about this. I mean, it's not going to get fixed overnight, but uh, we're also not going to abandon ship along the way, right? No, I mean, and that's the key. I mean, none of us are happy. I mean, the former players aren't happy. You know, the current players aren't happy. The former coaches, the current coaches, the fans, everybody has the right to be frustrated. We're all frustrated. This is not we, – we have the luxury of having this type of mentality because – 
Florida State has been so successful over the years, you know, three national championships. We're used to a standard, you know, and if, if we're not playing or winning for the national championship, it's already a down season as it is. That's the kind of standard that was set here in the past. But unfortunately, th- these kind of things happen. But, you know, if, if you're not rolling with FSU when we're struggling, then I hope you're not here when, when things are going well. So I just hope everybody's going to, you know, swallow their pride and show up to the games and have their garnet and gold on, support Coach Taggart, support, you know, the guys, and let's do what we can as fans and, and former players or whatever to kind of encourage these guys to just make improvements. David, well said. Keith, uh, in, in social media ease, he just said, hashtag don't be a fan later. That's what he just yeah. communicated. Well played. <laughs> yeah. Hey, David. Absolutely. That, yeah, that, that was well said. Appreciate it. I, I, congratulations on your success, and, and we'll talk to you down the road. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Always enjoy it. Thanks, right. David. Dr. David Thanks. Castillo joining us to diagnose what ails the offensive line there. We will uh, react to that to the best we can. Which Does he have a shot or a pill that would work immediately? <laughs> for the lineman or for us? Yes. <laughs> back, back to wrap up Front Row Knowles after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, about 10 minutes to go as Keith and I will wrap things up and Thanks to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Lenefelt, and David Castillo, a little offensive Dr. line expert. Castillo. He uh, basically got a graduate degree in offensive line play by being here six years, and he also got a lot of on-the-job training to be a physician since he injured about every part of the body you can injure <laughs> during his playing days. Hey, he played doctor with himself. Yeah, he, he uh, a good guy, always a good guy. I'm glad that he's doing well. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. It's where the pros go, the serious uh, do-it-yourselfers go. 1110 Stuckey Avenue, 3269 Crawfordville Highway online at ctf.nu or you can give them a call at 580-1200 thanks to Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. You think they could do something with the offensive line? <sighs> is that a DeWalt or <laughs> is that a battery or a plug-in electric? Uh, do you need a fastener or a nail? I, it feels I don't like know. a fastener is definitely needed somewhere. Somewhere. One of the things that David said I thought was very interesting um, and, and, and this is a matter of opinion and maybe uninformed opinion but he talked about you know rolling Francois out, and his perception was that maybe he's not as good on the rollout or the bootlegs. And of course, he referenced Christian Ponder, who, who most would agree was probably one of the better Florida State quarterbacks on the move. Uh, but there was one play in the Syracuse game when he got forced out of the pocket, and he kept his eyes upfield and and threw the ball downfield. I, I'm curious to see what that would look like. If they did do that six or eight times a ball game, even though maybe that's not his strength, it's not necessarily a horrible weakness. He's more than adequate doing it. Well, and you just tuck it and run if he's so inclined. You pick up four. The problem right now is you're not picking up four and five yards on first down. Exactly. I think that's another thing you can do is you throw on neutral downs or you throw on, you know, first down, you throw uh, instead of being behind the change when you throw. 
I don't know how it would be if you rolled him out the other way, throwing against the grain, i.e. Throw, rolling him out to the left, but you probably got to mix that once or twice. What, what I was going to say is when I was in the Syracuse game in particular, now this could change depending on what the opponent's defensive line looks like week to week. But the problem was with the tackles, and there was a pocket there being set by the center and the guards, which is where Florida State's OL is better. Um, so to me, some some quarterback draws are there for the take. He, he again to me, he didn't step up in the pocket when he had the opportunity. But if it's a if it's a called draw and you actually sell it and count to two back there and then take off, there's eight or ten yards up the middle run for. Well, and David also pointed out, and I, we had not articulated this because we're not offensive linemen, but you know your 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 tackles set the the depth of the pocket. Uh, I mean the width of the pocket, and and your two guards in your center set the depth of the pocket. So if if those three guys up front are setting short, there is a yard or two that you can step up into. That from a geometric standpoint means that they go behind you if they're rushing from the outside. And you go back and look at the tape, and both of the the Syracuse tackles for the most part were lining up wide, and they didn't do very many stunts. I mean they were coming, they were going to come around you. That was what is going to at least be their first thing and then they'll hit you pirouette inside and try to do a 360 to get inside of you they didn't have to because they were running by people too quickly uh but i thought that was interesting how that plays in and you can you can do some things with how you set that kick step as they call it that the tackles use to get outside uh etc etc so uh, there are some tweaking things that could be done and 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 you know willie and coach fry and the others are going to pay attention to them we'll see some of them i i would totally expect uh, come saturday yeah i definitely think we'll see some of them i think the team the the players only meeting you know those can be good and bad uh hopefully this is one that lights a fire and gets everybody on the same page but what's a bad sign is if two weeks from now there's another there's player. another one there's another yeah that's what i, I mean they're, worry they're, about. they're kind of a once a year type deal if you're having well, a whole if they're a regularly scheduled event every sunday afternoon not that a good is thing. not good that yeah. is not good you are exactly right and and the other thing that that you know david intimated to and we've heard eberly talk about it and we know this from the book of football is that you just don't want to you you want your quarterback's uniform to be clean when the game's over. You have got to take pride in keeping people off your quarterback. Period. The end. Uh, it's like when when we were playing back in the old fifty defense when you had Simmons and Motzik and those guys up there. Their job was to keep linemen off of Reggie and Paul. Uh, Prowski and Herring that allowed the linebackers to move freely and fill holes that became a source of pride you know if you could tell you you had to endure the double team just don't give up ground but you knew you were taking up two people because they had to double team you then that meant one of the linebackers was running free and and that you just got to take a pride in that camaraderie and that that belief that that all 11 of you are doing something together and and keeping that quarterback's uniform clean as silly and stupid as dumb as it sounds has to be one of your motivations it has to be one of your your priorities adding to the frustration is that there's some pretty good skill players on this offense and the challenge is you're just not getting them the ball because you're not able to and now and, and, and francois will, is not able to get the ball to them accurately all the time because he's having to fudge and, and flinch but it has been exacerbated because there are times when he's gotten them the ball like dj matthews last week second drive of the game and he drops what would is at least 20 yards with the catch and if he turns the corner 
Another 20, probably. Keith Gavin the week before on the touchdown. What would have been, a, I think, a touchdown reception. Yeah, there. bottom line, Tommy, it's a team. It's not, it's not just the five up front. There's six others that are out there at any given time uh, for the offense. Uh, we, we look at the offensive line because they're the most glaring aspect of it right now. But there's some other people that can do some things to pick up that unit, uh, not the least of which is continued good defensive play and some improvement in the, in the special teams. I still feel like confidence is a big part of this, which sounds silly, but psychologically, and I mentioned this on our show over the weekend, it feels like they're waiting for something to go wrong instead of making something positive right. happen. And right. I don't know what the and and that is a definite mindset. I I want to do something positive. I don't want to sit back and react and wait until something negative happens before I do something positive. Yeah. Now there's a fine line there. You you can also try to do too much, and and that has been an issue occasionally. But right now, I'd rather them err on going too fast and trying to make a play and not sitting back and waiting for the negative to happen. You'd rather say whoa than giddy up to quote somebody who used to be around here? I was thinking that. I just didn't want to say that. Well, I just went ahead and threw it out there. Yeah, whatever. All gas, no brakes. That's the one I like. All gas, no brakes. That's a Taggart expression. 3.30 kick on Saturday and... There's nowhere to go but up. I hate to put it that well, no, bluntly. And we haven't said one word about Northern Illinois. What offense do they run? What type of defense? It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what they well, do. Well, we talked about that last week. Florida State's got to fix itself. It's yeah. all about Florida State. It is nothing about the opponent. Obviously, you're going to game plan. you got to be prepared for what they're going to throw at you. Got to know what to react to. Blah, 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 blah. But this is all about us. And, and, and I can't stress that enough, you know. Um, you know, it, it, this is all shoulders up. This is all want to, this is all, I will not let myself be the weak link. It will be somebody else. It will not be me. And hopefully it will be nobody. Well, that's the mentality and the mindset that coach Taggart has talked about. It's not about being physical. It's about getting that, that mindset, correct? Uh, You know, and, and I don't even want to think about, you know, as we close here, is it unrealistic? that we really believed sitting here through three games we'd be two and one. Now some of us maybe thought we would be three and oh, but I think the consensus would be that we're two and one. Well we're one and two. So we're we're a game behind. We're worried about performance and effort and that type of thing, but but we're only a game behind in terms of where we might should be. So if we take care of business on Saturday, got a huge game against Louisville, which by the way they're changing quarterbacks so that's going to be a different team if and when you know when Florida State gets there. You know, it's not dire. It's not it's not jump off the cliff. It's very important. It's very concerning, but but we're we're not we're not done. Don't stick the fork in us yet. There there's still a little bit more that may be out there that you can grasp a hold of if you want to. I agree with that because I mentioned this earlier in the show. We fixate on if Florida State plays like they did against Syracuse the rest of the way, what's it going to look like? So it's on them to not play the way they played against Syracuse. And there's a lot of fixable stuff there. The OL, uh, you know, is not going to become five all-pro offensive linemen. That's not one of the fixes. But there are a lot of parts that could be fixed and things that could be tweaked. Okay, we've uh, done all the damage we can do once again. Confined it to uh, 60 minutes of your week. And we will do this again on, well, Sunday morning at 8, but then our regular show Wednesday at 6. There you go. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Have a great week, everybody.